Hey, this is Boken Abar, and this is the Details Podcast, episode number 10. With me, as always, my friend and co-host, Andrzej Tomic. What's uh, up, man? We're doing an English uh, show again, which is all, always great. Yeah, um, like we said before, like we've done over 60 episodes in total, um, but this is only the 10th one we do in English. Um, and uh, like we promised in the last episode that we're going to do it more often, and we're, here we are two weeks later, or should I say a month later, we are back with a... With uh, with another English episode, and uh, in the last one, in the ninth one, we spoke with Wim Hof, the Iceman, who is a Dutch daredevil and holds over twenty over twenty records in Guinness Book of Records. Uh, extremely interesting podcast with a unique person, person, uh, a different kind of guy, but the guy definitely that we can all learn a lot from. So, so go check that out. Uh, and in this episode, we have NBA player uh, for Los Angeles Clippers, JJ Redick. Uh, who's going to talk to us. Super excited about it. Uh, and it's definitely going to be a very fun conversation speaking to a, a fellow basketball player who is also a fellow podcaster. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's something that uh, that is, is pretty, pretty unique. Um, he's, uh, besides being a top-level basketball player in the NBA, a great shooter, uh, he also has his own podcast called The Vertical Podcast with JJ Redick, uh, which is very, very uh, unique um, first NBA player that is doing his own po- own podcast, and we'll definitely talk about that also. Um, so, um, without anything, uh, Andre, um, please go ahead and tell us the stuff that you usually tell us. <laughs> the about, admin about our podcast. The admin. Yeah. Uh, so the podcast is at the detailspodcast dot com. Uh, we're also in iTunes, so if you can rate us there, that'd be awesome because uh, more people can find us that way. And uh, pretty much, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, well, JJ is ready. Um, he's all the way over in uh, in the in the west coast of the United States. Um, so let's get let's get connected and uh, and that's it. Andre, start this thing. Let's go. JJ, thanks so much for taking your time. Uh, I know this is a uh, very important time of the year for you. Obviously, just just before the playoffs, uh, I know how how exciting that is. Um, how 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 you feeling? How you how you you think you've done uh, as a team this season? You think you're, you're ready for the for the playoffs, which is obviously the most important part of the season, the most important part of the year. Yeah, first of all. Thanks for having me on. You know, we <laughs> Thank you. Get, Thank us, you. Us fellow podcasters, we have to look out for each other. You know, <laughs> true. <laughs> there was no way I was going to turn down an invitation. I know we've been talking about it for uh, a month or so. So this is uh, this is a pleasure for me, and uh, and and I'm I'm really excited to to talk to you. Um, in terms of our team, we're playing really good basketball right now. We've won ten of eleven games. Uh, Blake is back. Um, you know, he missed a, a large chunk of the season. I think he's going to end up playing in only 35 games. Um, so for us, you know, we, we, we've won 53 games. We have one game left in the regular season and then we start playoffs this weekend. So I, I like where our team's at. Uh, obviously, if you take a look at the Western Conference, the, the Warriors and the Spurs are uh, two incredible teams. They've had incredible seasons. And, and then, of course, Oklahoma City. Um, with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook is always a contender. So 
we definitely have our work cut out for us and, and even our work cut out for us just to get past the first round. Um, you know, so, uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting, but like you said, this is the most important time of the year and it's something that every NBA player looks forward to. Uh, I've been fortunate. This is my, my 10th year and it'll be my 10th time playing in the playoffs. So, uh, I've, I've had a lot of experience and really enjoyed the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Like to, to, to go into the playoffs every year. Um, you know, I, I, I played six years in the NBA and, uh, I believe I made the playoffs four times and, uh, I know how, how much of a difference is being there when the playoffs are being played and being, you know, at home watching or in vacation or something. It just doesn't feel right. It feels wrong. I know you never had that feeling and hopefully you're never will, but <laughs> I'm going to ask, I'm gonna ask <laughs> you then, what, what was that feeling like? Cause I've never been on a team where like you've got a week or two left in the regular season and, and guys are planning their vacation, but I've heard about that. Have you ever been on a team where, Hey, two weeks out, you know, you're not going to be yeah. in the playoffs and you're already planning your summer vacations. Yeah, I have, I have once when I got traded from the Rockets to the, uh, to the Hornets, we had, uh, it was a team that was at that time was, was, uh, was you know in a real rebuild mode, and uh, um, Baron Davis just got traded for Speedy Claxton at the time from Golden State Warriors, so um, that was a big change. And there were a lot of injuries, and, and David West was a rookie that year. I know that he was hurt; he didn't play, so the team was really, really weak. You know, which was for me it was great at the time. I played a lot, so it was good. But we only had I think eighteen wins, if I'm not wrong, for the whole season. So uh, we knew way ahead that we're not going to make the playoffs. But um, uh, honestly. It, First, I mean, it's not fun. And me personally, I hated it. I hated watching NBA playoffs on TV and not being able to participate. Absolutely hated it. So I don't think, except for the finals, I don't think I ever watched the other games. Because that's how much I, 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 I despised it. Um, <laughs> so it's not, it's not a fun feeling. I don't know how other people, um, no, you know, I'm with you, man. Like yeah. when I lose, when I, whenever we lose in the playoffs and, and I've been fortunate, I've played in the conference finals twice and, and the NBA finals once, but whenever I lose, man, I stop watching. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so bitter about things. Exactly. Sorry, but you never even get to the point where you'll turn on the TV. It's just like you just won't. <laughs> like it just stops no, at that point. I'll, I'll watch like Bravo or <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And, and it's so funny because you know I, I've I've kind of carved out a little niche for myself. So like all these you know radio shows, podcasts, television shows, they want me to come on and provide. Uh, you know, analysis of these games. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't do it. I haven't watched them. Like, you guys don't understand. Like, I want to distance myself now. You know, you need to decompress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all, all of my friends, they would, uh, they would call me up. Oh, did you see the game last night? That game was crazy. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, but I can't even talk to you right now because I have no idea what happened. Like, I'll check the score, but that's it, you know? Um, so except for the finals, like I really, I remember that I really struggled, struggled watching games. I, I enjoy it way more now that I'm not part of the NBA. Like I, I watched, for example, this year, I watched a lot more NBA than I did in the previous years. I also have more time this year. Um, but, but for a long time, it was, it was, it was tough to, to watch other players, other teams play because for me, it was, you're constantly thinking, what would you do in certain situations? And that's just, sometimes it's just too much, you know, I just can't. Oh, yeah. Can't avoid it. I think it's like a, it's like a problem. I think you, I think any job you do, and then you try to watch, you know, those people work. I think you automatically automatically start thinking like, what would you do in certain situations, whether it's basketball or anything else. So, for me, for me, it's it's very difficult. Um, but JJ, um, just for the people, especially here in Europe, who who watch NBA and who know you on the court, but maybe don't know much about you personally, like, can you just talk about like how did you get started with basketball and why? 
why basketball? You know, how did you meet basketball or basketball met you? And how did you grow up playing and, and to come to the to NBA in the situation where you're when you are now? Obviously, with a lot of hard work, but that's not everything. There's a lot of other things involved also. Yeah, well, if you go back to my childhood, um, I was homeschooled up until fifth grade. Uh, I'm the middle of five kids. And my parents lived what I would like to describe as an alternative lifestyle. So we, we always lived kind of out in the sticks, so to speak, uh, away from any big cities or towns. And we lived on land. My parents always had a garden. At one point, we had a horse. Uh, my sisters rode, my older sisters rode horses competitively. So for a while, we, we actually had a horse that they rode. Um, and then my sisters, my older sisters, they're twins. They, they grew. And when they were 13, they were like six, one. So because they were so tall and, and they wanted to try basketball, um, I wanted to do everything that my sisters did. And initially it was riding horses and, <laughs> and they played softball. So I played baseball. So when they started playing basketball, uh, they were 13 and I was eight years old and I started playing the first team I was ever on. We were 0 and 15. We were the worst team in the league and I wasn't very good at all. Um, but, but there was a, just an initial liking. Like you, you know how it is, man. You, you, yeah. you fall yeah. in love with doing something. I think for me, the thing that has kind of helped, you know, my growth as a basketball player is I love the process. And, and by that, I mean, I love, being in the gym. I love getting better. I love working on my body. Um, I love conditioning. Um, you know, I love watching film. Like I, I enjoy doing all those things. Um, I, I kind of embrace the entire process and, and understand it's a journey. And I think that's really helped me not only in basketball, but just in my life. Yeah. And I think especially when you talk about a guy that it's like has you know, a, a specialty for you is shooting, you know, and, and uh, I've been around when, you know, whether it was in NBA or, or in Europe, I've been around great shooters and, and I know how much dedication it takes and how much focus it takes to, to develop something that you can really say that you're, you know, in the top of the, the group of the people in the world that are, that are so good at something, something they do. You know, when, when did you, at what point did you develop the shot that you have? Because I mean, I'm not trying to like really say this because you're I'm talking to you. Like your shot is, it looks amazing. For example, if I compare you to Kyle Korver, like he's also an unbelievable shooter, but your shot is much more pure than his. When you look at the mechanics, mm -hmm. you know, how did you, I mean, who, how did you develop the, the shot you had? Because it's kind of like yeah. a textbook shot, the way you shoot, you know, it really <laughs> it's, is. It's a, it's a great question. Thank you. And it's a great question. And I think uh, it's a question I get a lot, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's from, uh, you know, basketball writers or from parents who, who want to teach their children how to shoot. The truth is nobody ever taught me how to shoot. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a visual learner. So okay. if I, if I saw someone doing something on television or if I saw a commentator, uh, replay a highlight and they would say, look at the backspin on the ball. And they would show the ball in mid flight with the backspin. I would say, Oh, okay. And I'd go out to my backyard. And I'd work on snapping my wrist so that I could get backspin. Um, I had a, a coach when I was about 12 who said, you know, you need to stop using your left thumb in your shot. And your left hand needs to just be a guide hand. So I said, oh, okay. So for six months, I worked on that. And, uh, and then as I got older and kind of got stronger, um, I was able to actually shoot a jump shot. You know, it's, it's hard to teach a nine-year-old how to shoot 
it's hard to teach a nine-year-old how to shoot because they don't have the leg strength to really shoot a jump shot and to use proper mechanics. So about the time I was 13 or 14, um, going into my ninth grade uh, of, of high school is, is when I really knew that then that I was like, okay, I can really shoot the ball. I have good form. I have proper mechanics. And, uh, and then from there, you know, as you know, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you can stop working on it. And I feel like every year I've gotten a little bit better at shooting. And, uh, and there's so many different nuances with shooting, whether it's coming off a screen or coming off a dribble handoff or out of a pick and roll or in transition. And there's so much involved in terms of footwork and balance and, uh, and follow through that those are shots that I constantly practice and constantly work on. I think, I think unless you are actually in the gym when the when the you know NBA practices are going on, I don't think people really understand how many reps it takes to like perfect perfect things. I always think that it's like people always know like okay, you know, basketball players they work out work a lot and they work hard, but I think for me it was the biggest change once I came to the NBA and and play with the guys in the NBA to see how hard they actually work, you know, on individual skills, and that's maybe something. That in my opinion, European basketball is lacking. You know, and I don't know how much you're aware of, you know, the way European basketball is structured and the rules and all that, but it's much more team oriented basketball, kind of more similar maybe to college basketball than it is to NBA. And I kind of miss that in Europe. I wish people, I mean, not people, but maybe players and coaches in Europe would have a chance to see how much time and how much effort is really uh, put into developing, you know, if we're talking about shots right now in, in, into shooting. Um, but for you, for you, JJ, um, you know, jumping from college, well, you know, obviously played in Duke, which is, which is world, world known college. I mean, people in Europe, people who watch basketball, they, they're well aware of what Duke means for a player. For you jumping into the NBA, what was the biggest adjustment that you had to make, if there was any, from college basketball to the NBA? I think every player has to go through that phase where they have to adjust and have to get better at some point to make it in the NBA. I always said that it was easy to go there. It's easy, easier to get there. It's much harder to stay there. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? a great point. Yeah. Um, I, had a, I had a player development coach. It's funny. We just were talking about player development. But just so your, your listeners in Europe are clear, you know, every NBA team has one or two coaches that are specific to player development. So two hours before practice, four hours before a game, an hour after practice, nine o'clock at night. You can call these guys anytime. They'll meet you at the gym and they'll work with you on whatever you want to work on. And some guys have protocols, you know, the, the head coach or the GM may say, Hey, work on ball handling with this guy or work on, you know, corner three point shooting with this guy. But for the most part, the players drive this. In addition to that, uh, you know, most NBA guys have their own trainers during the off season. So there's somebody that's working on skill development with them. And so for me, I think adjusting from college where you didn't really have that as much because there's the NCAA regulates how much time that a coach can spend with the player. Right. That's for, for me, that was always very strange to understand. It's very yeah. strange. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they've, the rules since I was in school 10 years ago have gotten a little more lax. They're allowed to work with them a little bit more. Um, but it's, it's all regulated and you have to chart everything. So I, I couldn't call Chris Collins, my assistant coach at Duke at any time I wanted and say, Hey, meet me in the gym. I want to get some shots up. You know, sometimes I would, I would ask, you know, a soccer player to rebound for me or one of the walk-ons, you know, so it, it wasn't as structured. And then I got to the NBA and, and uh, it's really been, 
one of the reasons I've, I've been able to stick as long as I have is because I've really embraced that that player development side and, and try to work on my skills as much as possible. You know, you know my game. I'm I'm yeah. not going to wow people with athleticism. Um, so for me, the the intelligence, uh, the IQ, you know, studying film, studying tendencies, and, and then skill development have really been what has uh, has set me apart. And then, and you know, into your to your question about the adjustment, the adjustment was very hard. You know, I was I was a star at Duke. I, I got to play the whole game. I took whatever shot I wanted, and uh, and then my first two years, I, I really didn't play at all. I didn't play any. You were, with St- you were with Stan Van Gundy, right? I was with Brian Hill my rookie year, and okay. then Stan's first year in Orlando was my second year, and I actually okay. played less my second year than I did my that's, rookie. Year. Well, that's something we got in common. My second year, I was with Jeff Van Gundy, so. <laughs> yeah. so, so you know how the Van Gundys are. They're they're very. Oh, demanding. I know. I know. Very demanding. Uh, yeah. They're great, great people. I, I love them. And yes. I played for Stan for five years and I wouldn't be who I am as a player without having played for Stan because he taught me so much about, um, about team defense and he taught me about being a professional and about uh, accountability and all that stuff. I mean, I, I've been fortunate to have a bunch of great coaches and, and Stan's certainly one of them. Yeah. And I, I, you made a good point that something that I just remembered, like just now when you said it, like he taught you a lot about team defense and the same was for me. I was never a good one-on-one defender. I struggle a lot, you know, coming from Europe and, and, and trying to play the three position NBA where the guys are very quick and very, um, very athletic, very, very physical beside, you know, and also the court is, 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 I mean, I don't say larger, the three point line is further out. So for me, that was, there's more space. Yeah. I was, I struggled with that, but. Um, having Jeff, um, coaching me, it helped me a lot to become a, a really good team defender, which later on in my career, especially with the Nets, I used very well. And, um, one of your, um, assistant coaches, Lawrence Frank was my head coach in New Jersey. And I know that he, he respected the way I, I you know, I defend, especially when it comes to team defense and uh, understanding the rules and being in right spots. And that helped me increase my minutes and, and play well later on in my career. Did you enjoy playing for? I for did. Lawrence? I did. I think Lawrence he's, was. He was. He's he great. Was, yeah. He was. He was. For me, he was the perfect coach at the perfect time, and and gave me the opportunity to to show what I can do. I used the opportunity, and and for the you know for the two plus years that I was there uh, with him in the Nets uh, was basically, you know, first guy coming off the bench for for all the all, pretty much all the games that I was there, and and really yeah. enjoyed my time there. So yeah, that's what that's where I remember you from. I mean, that was early yeah. on in my career. But, yes, uh, you know, yes. I can remember you playing for the Nets and. And uh, I, I can even remember you having some great games against us. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, was, you played a really productive role for them. Yeah, it was, I really enjoyed playing for, for for Lawrence. And please tell him I said I said hello when you have a when you have a well, chance. Just so you know, just yeah. so you know, Lawrence listens to all of my podcasts. Okay. So when I I tell him tomorrow, no, we might be busy during the uh, you know during the playoffs, but right. he usually listens to podcasts. You know, he's a runner, so when he runs on the treadmill, he listens to my yes. podcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna when you give me the link for this, I'm gonna have him listen to this podcast. All right, awesome, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, I don't, uh, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I have a Duke question, actually. Sure. Because I, I somehow know about the Blue Devils and stuff, right? I'm, I'm getting that right. Because, like, we don't yes. get NCAA games here, basically. But yeah, except my, for March Madness or like the Final Four. Yeah, the Final Four. But yeah, yeah anything like yeah. regular season wise, we just, you know, it's nobody watches it basically. Over well, honestly, because NBA took over, like NBA became so global. It's like NBA is like on every step, even in Europe now. Everywhere yeah. you look, every store you go to is NBA, NBA, NBA. So go ahead, Andre. Yeah. So, so just because the couple of games I saw of Duke playing, right? The fans there pretty much look insane. Uh, for all of the home games. So I'm just wondering what that transition was like. Cause I don't know. The Duke games like seem awesome. 
with like the whole <laughs> arena basically going insane, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you get to the NBA where, you know, not as much. Right. It's, well, a, it's, it's, a, it's a little different. I, you know, it's – so Cameron Indoor Stadium is where Duke plays their home games. It's um, it's basically a glorified high school gym. I mean, it is really <laughs> small, and the fans are right on top of you. Um, I want to say – Officially, it's like 9,000 people is the capacity, which for a college arena, especially a school of Duke's nature, is very, very small. Um, but unofficially, you know, they pack everyone in there like sardines, and yeah. I'm not even sure how many people are in there. And the atmosphere is crazy. The students show up hours before the game. They camp out for the big games. You know, for UNC game, our biggest rival, they're, they're camping out for weeks at a time to get tickets um, so it was a very cool experience and I got to, I got to play in front of those fans for four years. Um, you know, even still when I'm back in North Carolina during the off season and get to walk through Cameron, uh, it brings back just incredible memories. And then you go to the NBA where, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I would say a lot of arenas in the NBA, it's more of a social event than it is a sporting event. And I don't mean that in a negative way because I, listen, NBA fans are great. And I think NBA fans are very passionate, but, you know, there is there's something to be said for um, for all the amenities that modern sports arenas have. They have a ton of bars. They, I mean, some some arenas have nightclubs. They have restaurants <laughs> in them. So, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people like to go to the arenas and have the full experience. And then come second half, that's when they really stand up and start cheering loud. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely a difference. But I, I do I do think that once the playoffs come by, the the, the atmosphere in, in arenas changes a lot. At least from my experience, like it just gets oh, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's where that's where everybody gets into. I was going to ask before when we spoke about Coach Frank. Do you? Um, I know that maybe a couple of years ago there was a shooting coach working with the Clippers. Bob Tate is he still? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, yeah Bob's still here. He, okay. he pretty much at this point works exclusively with uh, with Blake Griffin, but he, he's okay. spent a little bit of time with a few different guys. Okay, he, he jokingly tells me he wants to help me work on my shot. Um, so <laughs> he's an, there's another guy that I please tell him tell him I said hello. I Actually, you know Bob Tate. Like when I was with the Nets, he was there also uh, working he, with well, Jason. Yeah, yeah, he worked with Jason. He helped Jason Kidd. You know, I think he he really helped him. Uh, you know, get his get his shot shot to, to for, you know to shoot better and to have a better percentage. But he also helped me a lot. Um, just just working on on little small details that I didn't know that I was make I was like making errors about like leaning back too much and stuff so bob right, is right. A, he's a pretty cool dude i, I have great memories and <laughs> yeah, being he's, with him. he's a different kind of guy <laughs> for sure he's weird yeah he is weird <laughs> <laughs> i should say that he is very weird but i, I kind of like that, that. we, we clicked yeah. right away and and he's a he's a good guy um jj talk to me um every athlete oh i mean not every athlete but most athletes and especially in basketball it's a contact sport you go through injuries um what are your experience with injuries and what do you think is most important once you do get injured to, to focus on, to get, you know, to get back as, as soon as possible. Like, I, I'm not sure what kind of injuries you went through, but I imagine like, just like as anybody, you were, you're not completely injury free. I mean, it would be like a miracle, yeah. miracle if you would be, but hopefully you're going to say that you never had like a big, big injury that kept you out for a long time. Uh, I've, I've had two, two, uh, three injuries in my career. I, I think some injuries are uh, avoidable. And, and you can prevent certain injuries. And so I think for my philosophy in terms of injury management, 
it's more about prevention. Um, so I have a degenerative disc in my back. I found that out about two weeks before the NBA draft. And so my entire 10 year career has been about, you know, preventing back injuries. And I've only missed, uh, one significant amount of time, uh, because of my back. And that was, that was in my uh, eighth year, my first year with the Clippers. Um, that year I also broke my wrist. Um, I got pushed when I was jumping and I landed on my wrist funny and broke a bone in three places and, and tore a ligament in my wrist. Um, an injury like that you can't prevent. And, and then my other injury was uh, an, another core injury. I tore two abdominal muscles my fifth year and missed uh, 17 games because of that. So, you know, I've had three ones, three injuries. And, and every time I've had an injury, I feel like because of uh, you know, the advances in medicine and all that, I feel like I've gotten stronger every time I've, I've had an injury, I come back stronger. And you also learn a little bit more every time about prevention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's, that's pivotal. That's, that's so important. And, and knowing how competitive NBA is, is it's, uh, it's really a shame because I've, I've seen it happen to, to guys around me that would just get some minutes and would get into rotation, but then they would get hurt you know, wouldn't maybe f be as focused as you would want them to be. And another, another guy would take their spot and they would never recover um, to get the minutes back. And that's always, always a shame, uh, always a shame to see, you know, to, to, to have those, those situations. Um, when, when it comes like early on, you, you said that we got, we, you know, fellow podcasters have to take care of each other. How, <laughs> how did you, and I want to talk about this. How did you get an idea to, 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 to start a podcast? I, th I thought once I found out, I thought, I think I saw it on Twitter. I think, um, I'm not sure, but maybe, uh, you know, Vosge or, or Chris Mannix or somebody posted, you yeah. know, um, that you're going to make a podcast. And, and I was, yeah. I was so excited that finally some, an active NBA player is going to yeah. have his own podcast. I thought it was awesome. I listened to all your episodes and um, Thank you. I'm a big, big fan. It was, um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot yeah, of fun. How did you, how did you, how, did you, is that something that you always wanted to do? Or is that something that you just like, it was a spur of a moment, like somebody gave you an idea and you said, let's do it. Like, how did you get into that? You know, I had never listened to a podcast before. Wow. Okay. About, <laughs> uh, about six or seven months ago, uh, Woj, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, who is a, one of the top NBA writers, he works for Yahoo Sports. So, so Woj was getting this content-driven site from Yahoo um, called The Vertical. And Woj wanted to have a current player's input on the site. So the initial thought was for me to write a few things and kind of release them at certain times during the season. Um, you know, what is it like to be a, a player and get traded? And they would release that around the trade deadline. So those type of ideas. However, I didn't really like that idea because it was the same thing as the Players' Tribune, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, mm -hmm. but it's basically, you know, current uh, athletes, they get, you know, help, an editor, a ghostwriter, and they, they write these articles. Um, nothing against it, but it's just it, it had been done before. Mm -hmm. And uh and so their next idea was, well, do you want to host a podcast? And I was like, I, I know what a podcast is, but I don't listen to them. So I did. My wife was like, you need to listen to Serial. Have you listened? To this of course, yeah. yeah it's course. a podcast about murder. I'm like Chelsea. I'm a, how is this going to help me? But I listened to Serial, and then I was like, all right, this this piqued my interest a little bit. So I started getting into different podcasts and. Um, what what, and, they, what what they listen what they listen now? Do you listen to anything? Do you have to even time or is. Uh... Uh, yeah, I, I try. I dabble a little bit. Yeah, okay. uh, so but mostly like a, most I, like sports podcast or I try to stick away from the sports thing. Okay. So it's so like 
one podcast I like is Stuff You Should Know. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. I listen to that. Yeah. They, they kind of tackle a different subject. Uh, mm-hmm. This week, or not this week, but the episode that I'm currently listening to, they're talking about how dark money works in politics. Mm-hmm. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I also listen to one of their podcasts on the uh, the science behind caffeine. So it's kind of all over the place, and it kind of keeps me entertained. I do like cereal. I listen to a lot of the NPR stuff, which is very popular here in the States. Um, and then there's a, there's a, another podcast called the learning leader podcast and, and, uh, the, the gentleman who, who hosts the podcast, you know, he interviews people that are successful and it kind of picks their brain a little bit. And, uh, and that's kind of the format that I like with my podcast. You know, right now I'm doing mainly, uh, basketball players. Uh, this week will be my first podcast with a non-basketball player and and eventually I'll branch out and similar to how you have done and mm-hmm. just interview p- people from all walks of life and kind of pick their brain. Yeah, the, the one thing I, I, I enjoy the, probably the most from doing the podcast is to learn stuff, you know, by actually talking to people that are like from different, um, you know, different areas of what they do, you know, whether it's a basketball player or anything else they do. For me, the biggest thing is to learn, uh, to learn by, by talking to them. I think that was like, that's like the coolest thing. That's why, that's my biggest motivation to do it. Yeah. Me and um, Boki are usually the two stupid people. When we're, <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're the dummies most of the time. So yeah, you know, yeah. it's funny. You, you talk about your motivation though. Like that's your motivation. And I, I respect that motivation. I'm still trying to figure out what my motivation is to do this podcast. I yeah. mean, it's, I'm doing it weekly, so I've committed to doing 52 episodes. Um, I mean, I, we're, we're somewhere in the double digits. I think we're at episode 11 or 12, so only 40 more to go. But, yeah, but the, once, uh, I, no, once I, once I heard that you're going to do it, I thought it was going to be like a monthly thing because I can't imagine with, in, with NBA's schedule to do it. Like you got to be pretty disciplined, you know, with once a week. I mean, we do it once every two weeks, and that seems like a lot for us. I mean, just for yeah. me, like, you know, and to do it, it every a, week, that would be hard, you know, with all the traveling it's, games. It's whew. a big commitment. It's a big yeah. commitment. I have my, um, my, my little podcast, uh, module that I, I carry with me on the road. If I, if we happen to have a road trip. So we usually try to record towards the end of the week on a, on a Saturday or Sunday. And my podcast comes out early Monday morning. Um, it, we do Mondays it, too. Yeah. And, <laughs> And I'm not sure what I want to do post career, but you know I am interested in in possibly being a broadcaster, doing something in media, and and this has been uh, you know an incredible learning experience. I, I'm certainly not doing the podcast for any monetary gain or anything like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing it because you know it, it's fun and and uh, it's something that interests me. And and like you said, man, it's a, it's a very cool medium, and it it's a newer medium. But it is a very cool medium for content, and, and a lot of the content out there is, is is really interesting. Yeah, and the best thing about it is like you have the freedom to to talk whatever you want to talk about, whoever you choose to talk about, and the time. You know, whether you talk about for thirty minutes or forty, fifty, whatever you talk, but it's so much different than any other medium because whatever you listen to interviews on the radio on TV, they're so um, worried about time, you know, like, okay, we got three more minutes, two more questions. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then with podcasting is like, you can take your time. You let the, get the guest talk to get his point across. And I think it's a completely different thing. Once you listen to a person that has, uh, the time and the freedom to say whatever they really want to say, instead of, you know, listening to, to, you know, watching interviews on TV, which is so different. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think that I think too, and I'm sure you found this as well with, with current players, but the the interesting thing that I found with the with the current players that I've had on is they're I think they're a little more willing to open up to me mm-hmm. uh, because I, 
you know, any question that I ask, they're not going to necessarily be offended by. Whereas if a, a normal, <laughs> I guess, normal <laughs> person from the media asked them the same question I'd asked them, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they get uh, offended. Maybe they get a little defensive at the question. Um, but it, it's fun to have just honest, honest conversations with guys. Yeah. But that was, that was, that was my, my, my last question about podcasting is how did, how did that get accepted among the, the, the players and among your teammates? Because it's, it's definitely like something new. Nobody has really done that before. If you think about it, you know, obviously all the players are very exposed to the media, but you never have a guy that is actually inside the locker room talking to the people that's, you know, to the world outside. That's like so much different. Like, did they, how did, how did that get accepted with the, with the, with the well, guys? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, first of all, I think I have a good reputation around the league. And, and I also think based on the way I carry myself, you know, I think my teammates for the most part, <laughs> they trust me and, and other players trust me. And it's funny because, you know, initially I wasn't sure of the reaction that I was going to get, but I've had players from all over the league tell me they listen to the podcast. I've had players call me or call Woj and say, Hey, I really want to come on the podcast. I mean, Kyle Lowry, uh, you know, who was on the yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. over all star weekend, uh, you know, me and him were trying to connect the whole time. And that was only because he saw Woj the first day of all star weekend and said, Hey, I want to be on JJ's podcast. So awesome. uh, I think the reception amongst players has been, has been really positive. And, um, and obviously, man, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell stories on the podcast. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get guys on the podcast that I think lend a very unique and interesting perspective or insight to something they've gone through as an athlete, something that maybe not every athlete has gone through. You know, we, we had Adam Morrison on recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Brandon Roy on recently. And, and both those guys really opened up and they, they talked about some things that were, I think, were difficult to talk about yeah. and, and, and really unique stuff. No, and you said it right. They, 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 they definitely open up to you more than they would to any journalist. Because I see you as a friend, I see you as 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 a you know a friend, a teammate, or whatever, and, and it, it's yeah. such a difference than talking to to, to 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 anybody else. I think well, there's, there's a level of trust that is on, yeah. a completely different level. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you ha- you feel the same way, but you know, my 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 you know interest in bringing someone on is to make that person look good. I I, I, I think if someone has an interesting story to tell or an interesting journey that they can lend some perspective to. Uh, I want to bring that out. I want to show people, hey, this guy is really awesome, and, and here's some some cool stuff about him. So I, I think guys get that, and, and that's why they're willing to to open up a little bit. Right. And so for everybody listening, the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick is the podcast that please please go check it out. It's it's I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It's a it's a unique NBA podcast. It, it really is. Let me ask you a question. Where where do you listen to the podcast? What's the what's kind of the do you use iTunes? Yeah, or uh, I download it through the through like a podcasting app. Um, okay, because I'm you know I usually listen in the car. Um, I, I rarely listen podcasts at home. I got two daughters, so you can imagine yeah. it's pretty pretty yeah. busy around the house. But uh, so when I'm in, when I'm on the road, when I'm in the car driving to practice from practice, you know whatever, that's when I listen to the podcast. So I just download my phone, you know, turn on Bluetooth in the car. And that's that's when I when I listen to it. That's that's oh, why I, I live in LA, so I'm constantly exactly. stuck in traffic. So I'm <laughs> I live, always I'm always in my car. And you I know, wish podcasts. You live existed. in LA, you're in your car like two hours a day. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, 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 so many times I wish podcasts would be a 
at this level, like when I was still in the NBA, you know, six, seven years ago, uh, you know, uh, we just, I just didn't, I don't know. I just listened to music, I guess. And I think it was such a waste of time now that I think about it. Like just listen to music because I rarely do listen to music except for maybe like pregame stuff to just kind of like get into the, into the zone, you know? Um, uh, now the JJ, the big, the big topic in the NBA besides, you know, playoffs coming up is Kobe, you know, obviously him having the last game. I think it's, it's tonight. Um, I mean, from your experience playing with him, I mean, sorry, with against him, um, can you just maybe talk about a little bit, like in in your opinion, what 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 Kobe meant to the game of basketball? I mean, this this is just, it's, I think he's such a such a special player in such a special moment now that he's he's retiring. Like, can you talk about this a little bit? Kobe Bryant is is definitely one of the greatest players ever. Um, I don't like to you know, rank guys necessarily, uh, by order, but you could certainly make an argument that Kobe based on his individual success and his team success is, is one of the top five to 10 players ever. Um, and I think most people from our generation would agree with me. Um, the, the thing that always struck me with Kobe was his obsessive pursuit of greatness <laughs> and, most guys, when they get to the league, it doesn't matter how hard they work or, or how much they love the game. Like they have a little success and, and they lose some of that edge. And, and Kobe never lost that edge. I mean, even now he still has that edge, you know, 19, 20 years later. Um, so it's really remarkable uh, that someone has been able to, to su- sustain that level of effort and work. Uh, and, and putting that amount of miles on their body for, for so long. Um, my, my greatest Kobe memory is also my worst Kobe memory uh, <laughs> because, because uh, I, I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to play against him in the NBA finals and, and had to guard him uh, for a few possessions. But uh, there's something I'll remember the rest of my life, but you know, they beat us four one in that series and, and I haven't been to the back to the final since. So, uh, that's why I say it was, it was the greatest Kobe memory and the worst Kobe memory because I'm still <laughs> salty about it. <laughs> right. Um, JJ, one, one last, maybe a couple more questions. The one, one thing is I, a lot of times I talk to my friends here in Europe or, or the guys who play in the NBA about the rules in basketball. Is there, is there some rule in basketball that is in, in, in NBA that you would like to see maybe changed um, or or That's adjusted? Um, you know, because especially European to NBA basketball, there's there's many uh, differences in in rules that I think that change the game a lot, like illegal defense or you know um, goaltending. Like in Europe, you're, you're allowed to swipe the ball out of the, on the rim if it's bouncing on the rim. Um, you know, there's there's more contact allowed than NBA. For example, you can kind of like get away with like maybe grab a jersey here and there or push a guy that, that's running through the lane and stuff like that so i always like to bring this up when i talk to basketball players um because obviously like we all want to see the game going to the right direction and, and being as attractive for fans as possible is there some nba rule that maybe you would like to see changed or adjusted that's an easy question and and maybe it's because i i play with deandre but i i want the hack i want the hack a shack rule to be changed um you know, I think it's I think it's bad for the game. Uh, I think it's bad for fans. Uh, the game slows down. It's not entertaining. Um, you know, we have so many rules uh, that are that are in place to make the game flow in a better way. Uh, 
For, let me let, let me let me give you an example. There's a reason that you can only foul six times. There's a reason you get penalized if you foul five times in a quarter. It's so that you don't foul every time down the quarter, right. every time down the floor. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, yeah. it, to me, it, the reason they do that is so that the game flows better. And I just don't like. I just don't like the rule like it is. I mean, it's but, not. It's okay. not real basketball. You're fouling away from the ball. You're right. fouling away. From, it's an intentional, flagrant foul. It's right. not I, a normal, common foul. It's just. It's a stupid rule to me. No, I, I understand completely. But just to play devil's advocate, like, w- w- wouldn't you say, like, okay, why, so why does why does DeAndre and all the guys who try, who really struggle yeah. with free throws don't just try to get better? And I'm sure DeAndre is trying to get better, but. To change yeah. the rule because of one or two or three or maybe five yeah. guys in the league that you know, because uh, free throw, free throw is, and I'm and I'm really just play, trying to play devil's advocate. Like the free throw is such a basic part of basketball. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of like fifty fifty on 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 yeah. on this. I completely understand you, and I know it's very frustrating to play. Um. In those situations, and it has to be extremely frustrating to fans. That's a good point you made. You know. Well, I think I, I you know I played with Dwight. Uh, who, who also gets kind of hacked, uh, and, and I play with DeAndre, and, and I've seen both guys work tirelessly to, to improve their free throw shooting. And, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, those big guys, I don't know if it's the oxygen up there or whatever, they just, <laughs> they can't quite get the free throws down. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, to me, you are talking about a small group of guys, but the uptick, in how many guys now are getting fouled away from the basketball as a strategy has gone way up over the yeah. last two years. Yeah. So it is affecting gameplay. At least maybe it should be to where you can use it a couple times a game, but right. not like every time. Right. I, you know? I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah. But the, the other thing too is like, yes, we, are, we, are, we would be changing a rule for a small group of guys, but we're also talking about guys that are seven feet tall and – I mean, not only can these guys walk and chew gum at the same time, they can run and block shots and catch balls out of thin air and dunk the ball. I mean, these are some of the greatest athletes in the world. I don't know why we're subjecting them to this. I just, I don't agree. And to all those, you know, youth fans that may say like, well, you're teaching the, you're, you're teaching the wrong lesson. What, why wouldn't, you know, we teach kids how to make free throws from a young age. Guess what? There's only one DeAndre Jordan. There's only yeah. one Dwight Howard. For all those kids that are trying to shoot free throws growing up, I hate to say it, but you're probably not going to be in the NBA. You're probably not going to be seven feet with a 40-inch vertical. It's just yeah. not going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah, good point <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, before we let you go, JJ, um, with playoffs coming up, um, does your routine change? Like, Do you get locked in? Do you turn off your Twitter? Do you do anything different um, or you just, just go on as – As you do during the season, like a lot of players, I know they change up a lot yeah. once the players are that, by. That, that's a good question. It, it's funny because I've always had an issue with this. A lot of guys do change their yeah. routine, yeah. but I don't because I feel like I feel like I treat every game like it's an important game. I, I treat every game like it's a playoff game, and you know, I, I really, I really do. I, I prepare for every game so that when I get to the playoffs, I don't have to change anything. Um, right. I, there's a lot of talk, even in our locker room. It happens every year. You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do this, or we're gonna do this different. And I'm like, nah, this is what I do all the time. This is how I play. This is how I prepare. I'm not gonna shoot extra shots. I already shoot extra shots. I'm not gonna get my rest. I already get my rest. Mm. I'm not gonna eat right. I already eat right. Like it's, it's <laughs> there's no there's no change for me. Um, and 
you know, again, man, like that's just a personal thing. I think some guys, you know, approach things differently and, and it's not a knock against them, but this is what works for me. Yeah. It's, I think you made a good point and I, and I, and I agree with you. Um, definitely. How, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just have a, uh, like a Steve Ballmer question. Like how oh awesome God, is so it? Funny. Steve, Steve Ballmer is just texting me right now. That's so funny. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I just got a text from him. Yeah. <laughs> Look, how awesome is it that he's the owner now? Like uh, honestly, because like yeah. he's he's half the entertainment sometimes. <laughs> like he's yeah. all, he's like my favorite NBA owner at this point. I think yeah. Well, I mean, he, him and uh, I think him and Cuban have a have a nice little rivalry going for both entertaining <laughs> yeah. owners. Yeah. Uh, Steve's great. Um, you know, I think he's definitely the most hands-on owner um, that I've had in my career. Having said that, he, he's, he doesn't step over his boundaries. You know, he's very supportive of us. Um, he pops in and out frequently during the season, um, you know, back and forth between Seattle and L.A. Uh, but he's incredibly supportive. He's incredibly loyal, it seems like, to his players. Um, and I, I think he's got a nice vision for you know, what he wants the Clippers to be in terms of the culture, the brand, the identity. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a year and a half or two, two I'm sorry, two years now uh, of him owning the team. And, and we're definitely headed in the right direction. I, I absolutely love him as an owner. Yeah, it seems, yeah. seems that way. Cause, seems awesome, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had to um, ask that because I'm a tech writer, actually. And yeah, there you go. See, he's there from that world, so yeah. <laughs> it's just he's just, every time I see him on TV, I just get he's entertaining. Though. He's yeah. entertaining. It's funny because he's he's got like I don't know how to describe it, but like there's like the Steve Ballmer that everybody sees. You know, he's very emotional. He's very energized. He's very charged up. Um, but I've been really fortunate to, to spend some one-on-one time and some alone time with him. Um, and he's just, he's a really intelligent down to earth guy. And the, the perception of him, I think is not necessarily, um, you know, the complete version of him. We, we like to put people in a box sometimes, but, Mm -hmm. uh, Steve doesn't fit in a box. Yeah. <laughs> sure. No, but he seems like a like he genuinely like he's an actual owner. If you know, like I don't. Yes. Yeah, he's like he. Yeah, that seems like a really good fit. That's why I asked because I just wanted somebody who's there to tell me that that's. <laughs> I'm I'm seeing that right, but he is awesome. Like I, yeah. I I'm a I'm a Balmer fan basically. So. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. Uh, I'm a, J- my contract's up in a year. I'm definitely a Balmer fan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, JJ, first round, you guys are going to play against uh, Blazers. Um, well, have a teammate. If, if we, we still put most probably right, could most be probably. Dallas. But yeah, yes. could be Dallas. You're right, right. Uh, I have a teammate, Scott Scott Benford. He played with Damian Lillard in college. He's uh, obviously his big, uh, big. I mean, his friend, and, and obviously wants him to do well. I told him you guys are going to beat the Blazers. So if you guys play against him, please do. <laughs> um, right. I actually, I actually picked you guys to. I think we had a podcast, Andre, early in the season when we were picking all our favorites for the NBA yep. uh, championship. I, I, I think I chose the Clippers. I, I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know it's, it's, it's a lot to ask, but guy, please don't, don't let me, don't let me down, guys. I'll make you look good. I yeah, promise I'll make you I'll, look good. Right. <laughs> I'll definitely, I'll definitely be watching, definitely be pulling for you guys. Uh, JJ, thank you so, so much for taking your time just yeah, before thanks, the playoffs. Man. It means so much. Yeah. Um, you know, thank obviously, you, like I said, all the fans, please check out, check out JJ Reddick's The Vertical Podcast. Um, you're on Twitter also, JJ, where can people yes, Yeah, I'm on a, a Twitter at JJ Reddick, J-J-R-E-D-I-C-K. 
And right. for any uh, Instagram users, I'm JJ Reddick four awesome. on Instagram. Awesome. Um, I'll I'll send you the link if you want to show it to Lawrence Frank <laughs> once we Absolutely. once we edit it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Uh, really, thank you so much, man. I, no hopefully, in the in the future, in in a year or two, maybe we can get back on and 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 kind of kind of get get this talk talk make this talk again because it was really awesome and to get somebody okay, to thanks, talk, talk yeah, so honestly and openly. Season, thank you, man. Thank you. Same to you, man. All right, Andre. take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Okay, so that was the conversation with NBA player JJ Redick. Uh, Andre, I know you enjoyed the conversation. If nothing else, simply because you asked about. Clippers owner Steve Ballmer. So yeah. that was pretty cool. <laughs> that, that was the only thing I, I wanted to ask. You, 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 satisfy, you satisfied your techie appetite with yes, that Yes, basically, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, I hear the NBA is a great thing, but uh, Steve Ballmer is uh, an even greater thing. So uh, <laughs> that, that's all I'm going to say. No, no, but yeah, that was awesome. That was, was awesome. Actually, yeah. 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 It's really cool to see JJ taking his time to talk to us, but most, mo- mostly to have the guy, I have so much, so much respect. The guy has his own podcast and I know how busy it is to, to play in NBA and the NBA schedule and to do that and to be so committed. It's awesome. Uh, definitely please go check out his podcast, the vertical podcast with JJ Reddick. Uh, and, and you will not regret, regret it. It's, 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 it's really cool. Uh, Anje, admin. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the podcast is at the detailspodcast.com and we're also in iTunes. So if you can rate us there, that'd be awesome because more people can find us. And that's pretty much it. Cool. Um, at Bokinabar, I'm on Twitter or Instagram. Um, Anje, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. My English account is at AtomicXX. And you know how, you know why JJ is a really cool guy? Because he followed you right away on Twitter too, man. That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. cool stuff. That's cool stuff right there. Always good. Yeah, like you said, us podcasters, we have to stick together, basically. Yeah, exactly. It <laughs> <laughs> should be like a motto or something. <laughs> <laughs> we are podcasters and we stick together. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Well, until next time, take care, people. Yeah. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.